In this episode, we speak to Eileen Roden, director and co-founder at House of PMO. We hear how Eileen defines the role itself and that PMOs can now be considered a career in their own right, as well as a significant development opportunity. She shares with us how long House of PMO has been gestating, in her views, since the last century. Eileen reveals that PMOs provide incremental delivery of value into organisations. We learn that they have moved from the original function of just project support into a crucial role where the contemporary PMO in some organisations operate at a strategic level. Eileen addresses some of the common challenges PMOs face. Probably the biggest one is of context. What does the organisation want from its PMO? Unless it can answer this question, how do they know how to structure and staff it? Unfortunately, a question very few people can answer. She also tells us there was an absence of training for all PMO roles, which the House of PMO have now fixed with their essential suite. These courses run from administrator all the way up to director. At one time, PMOs may only have been relevant for large organisations. But in today's climate, Eileen says it's very difficult to find organisations that aren't working on projects. Even small organisations have a PMO function in different forms somewhere within them. Welcome to this episode of Implementing Best Practice in Business. We're here to help you and your organization understand and implement global best practice to help you face the business challenges of today. Join me, Richard Farrow, CEO of APMG International, in talking to leaders and practitioners who have applied these frameworks and practices to boost their productivity. They're here, willing to share their knowledge and experience to help you learn from them so you can do the same to make you more competitive in today's market. My guest today is Eileen Roden. Eileen worked in IT, project management and HR before moving into a practicing PMO role, which led her into training and consultancy. Her clients ranged from SMEs and councils to large multinationals. Together with her business partner, Lindsay Scott, Eileen established the PMO flash mob and led on the development of the PMO competency framework. Together, they established the first professional body for PMOs, the House of PMO. As well as being the lead author for the PMO competency framework, she's the lead author for the P3O best management practice and chief examiner for House of PMO essentials, administrators, analysts, managers, and directors. Eileen is committed to helping organisations understand how PMOs can support and drive successful project delivery. But her real passion is in helping individuals understand what a great place the PMO is to work and working with them to help develop the required knowledge and skills. If any single person is responsible for putting PMOs on the map, it is Eileen, and she even has a tattoo to prove it. Welcome, Eileen. I decided I'd been in PMO for so long and, and, and it's where my life's commitment was, so I may as well brand myself. And the everybody PMO says it's permanent, and I say, absolutely, Brilliant. yes, it's there. Eileen, the concept of PMOs has been around for years, but why did it take so long to set up the House of PMO? Was it to meet a corporate need? Or was it really to support the individual PMO professionals? Well, I think a lot of a lot of you know kind of the, the time it's taken is really about when PMOs really started to get 
an identity of their own, which has really only been in the last 10 to 15 years. So as you say, payables have been around for a long time, but they were predominantly around project support. They weren't necessarily seen as a strategic function of the organisation. And for a lot of years, you know, I mean, if you look at uh, the project management professional bodies they only started kind of back and well PMI was at 69 um APM AIPM or uh, AIPM back 74 76 so you know they've only been around uh, 40 or 50 years and and for for the PMO job that was the project support then actually on the coattails of project management was was an appropriate place um for them to be uh, both Lindsay and I have been involved in arranging networking events and supporting PMO people. Um, well, we met at one actually back uh, in the last century. So that makes it sound a little bit older, doesn't it? Back in, the, <laughs> back in the late 90s. So we've always been, you know, for 20 years, we've been involved in pulling kind of groups together. And it was really as we kind of started uh, work on the competency framework, we felt that the PMO has got to a position now where it is a, a you know, kind of it is a, a it is a profession in its own right. And although, you know, project management, program management, is a very close cousin, those professional bodies don't necessarily offer the targeted and the kind of the detailed um, support that PMO professionals need. So the networking had already been there. The competency framework really was what tipped the balance into making it something that actually says we can support this, uh, you know, the careers that might sit around PMO and we'll work We'll work from there. Have you been surprised by the level of support you've had from individuals, you know, PMO professionals that, as you say, were sort of bracketed in another professional group and now they've got their own identity? Have you been surprised by the support you've had? I think whenever anybody came to one of our events, it was almost like a relief that they'd found somebody who did what they did. So they knew people, you know, who in project and program management and they would go to events and they would understand and people would understand what they do. But actually have meeting somebody who does what you do on a day-to-day basis has the same challenges. So we always knew kind of that was there. But what has surprised us, I think, is really um, how global that's got. So, you know, we'd always been, when we did the face-to-face, there was lots of people in the UK kind of came to that. But actually what's uh, been really uh, entertaining through the pandemic and, you know, lots of sad things happened, but actually was actually to grow a global community and recognise that actually PMOs at different stages are actually springing up all over the world, not just being led in the UK. Now, that's a very interesting comment to me. PMOs in different stages yeah, I've read lots of definitions of PMOs. Yeah, some of them sort of very grand, some of them very basic. Yeah, but how would you define a PMO? What is the essence of a PMO? Well, and I think this has been part of the problem in trying to define PMO as a profession because uh, PMOs can mean so many different things to, to different people and to, to different organisations. But in essence, uh, the PMO is a, is a function within an organisation that's there to support and drive 
successful delivery of projects. So it will have within it the kind of the processes and procedures for doing projects. It will make sure that governance is established. It will make sure that projects are reported. And what's been, you know, one of the things I love about the subject is it continues to change. So, you know, a lot of uh, time has been spent over the last kind of 10, 15 years saying, you know, there's a difference between how we manage business as usual to how we manage projects. And actually, we're almost kind of coming back on ourselves now because now we're going with, um, you know, kind of the adoption of safe and continuous delivery. It's almost like we're doing projects and business as usual at the same time. And but we still, the, from the PMO perspective, are that specialist function who understand how to do that kind of incremental delivery of value into the organisations. Interesting. I started life as a civil engineer. And so my passion was engineering and I moved into projects and I became a project manager. And these days, a lot of people sort of do projects, but it's a little part of what they do and they, their career is, is somewhere else. So do you see that the PMO, people working in a PMO, is that a career in itself or is that a stepping stone to a wider corporate role? You know, how would you, how would you try to characterize that for someone? interested in the concept of a PMO as a first start in their career? So I think historically, there's a lot of people went into project management um, and worked as a PMO because, as we've said, it was PMO support. So the PMO role was you were kind of latched on to one or more project or program managers and you would kind of watch what they did and learn about project management. They would give you more responsibility. And of course, after a period of time, you would then be given your own project to look after and it would appear to be a natural progression. But that was very much when PMOs were and people who worked in PMOs were very much kind of just supporting project and program management. Now was all organizations recognize that we have a, a more structured approach to project and program management the roles within the PMO go far beyond just supporting project and program managers in the delivery of projects and programs it's about establishing best practice it's about you know kind of working with the senior execs to make sure we're actually deciding on the right projects to do for the organization so there's a lot more kind of visibility of strategy and understanding the business and so you will always have people who come in and particularly it's a great job as a graduate to come in, just be exposed to all of those projects and to recognise what's happening across the organisation to move into project management. And I think for um, industries such as um, engineering uh, and construction, where, you know, you're brought in as a junior project manager, where we're actually doing a PMO role as a junior project manager, you will go on then um, to go into a project or program manager role. But actually, there are more and more people now who will come into the PMO and actually might specialise. So things like they may become a specialist in risk management, may become a specialist in benefits management, may, you know, which which leads them up to kind of quite a, a, a an interesting kind of career path to quite a senior position in the organisation, but staying within that kind of uh, support and structure around projects and programs. One of the other things that we're starting to see as well is project managers 
now come in to be PMO managers because all of their experience of how they've been delivering projects and programs, they say, well, actually, now I know what's involved. I'm going to come and make sure that our organisation has things set up so they have a better time than I had when I struggled to deliver my projects and programs because of what was and wasn't in place from the organisation. So we get them coming in. But what we're also finding now is is for um, we've got some senior execs who've been involved in major change programmes um, as a as a particular as a sponsor or an SRO, and they recognise how change has to be delivered in an organisation, and they're coming in to be PMO directors. So they've never been a project or program manager. They're coming in to say we recognise the business needs to continue to change in order to be. Um, you know, kind of continue to survive in the way the world has, is changing. And actually, much as I don't understand the detail, I can have specialists in my manager analyst roles in my project and program management specialists, but actually working at board level and understanding the strategy of the organisation and the help and um, focus on that, they're actually coming in from the business, not from project or program management or even from the PMO itself. So it's become a kind of, there's there's entry now at every level in the PMO or you can stay in and, and work your way up. Fascinating. There's some work by um, Antonio Rodriguez that talks about we're into the project economy. You know, most organisations recognise that uh, the way they're going to change, that we're going to evolve in the future is through a project economy. The way you describe the PMO is as a strategic support for the board and for rolling out that change. So it has actually evolved quite a lot from, as you say, you know, you're down there doing a few Gantt charts and a few budgets and marking up some programs on the wall. Is that, was that a vision that you had or is that just how it's evolved organically? I think it's a, it- I think there's a couple of things. It it has evolved organically, but it's been driven by the amount of change. And I always, I still quote you uh, something that you said a while ago, uh, Richard, at at an event when you said there's never been so much change happening, but it will never be this slow again. And I just think it's that kind of, it's that volume of change. Organisations have got no choice now, but to actually kind of look at how change is going to be applied in their organisation and, and recognise projects are a way of life. And therefore, it's, you know, kind of in the, the old PMOs was kind of one person, one project to support them. And now they need to think more strategically about, well, actually, how do we manage all of this business as usual? And how do we manage all of this change? How does that come together into the organisation to drive us where we need to be? So there's been lots of things that have kind of uh, to to kind of go into the pot and it will continue to change as organisations and the needs of the organisation uh, will continue to change. I mean, that's fascinating. So with all this change going on around the organisation and the need for the PMO, the team within the PMO to actually change as well, what are the fundamental challenges that they face as individuals working in a PMO? Well, you know, there's there's some really basic ones, um, which is we had great fun when we, um, when we were starting to do the competency framework about what do you call your PMO, <laughs> you know? What is it called? I mean, there's a whole range of different names. And sometimes the name doesn't actually represent what it does. So you can work in a program office and actually it's not a program office supporting a program. It's actually an office that supports lots of individual projects. 
that isn't being managed as a programme at all. So just the whole kind of name of the, of the kind of the office that you're going to work in. And again, an organisation can have lots of different PMOs across the organisation. And it's not actually seen as a function, as a kind of a holistic function that's supporting the organisation. So, you know, trying to find a job is quite difficult at that kind of right level. So, you know, as I said, the competency framework, trying to kind of put some descriptors around a project office, a program office, a portfolio office and a centre of excellence just to kind of start and get some clarity of language across the industry has, has, is a challenge. And just recognise when you're going in to some of the questions you might need to ask to clarify exactly what's involved. And, I, and I'll give you a great example. I was doing some coaching uh, with a lady who... Um, had just got a new job with benefits management and she'd been in an organisation, she'd worked in a PMO and she'd done lots of benefit work. And then she'd gone into the organise a new organisation and said, we'd like you to set benefits management up. And that's completely different to kind of cranking the handle. And, and instead of working in a project or a programme office, she was now going to take the role of a centre of excellence where she had to define what benefits management strategy looked like for the organisation and implement more. Now, that's a completely different role to working and supporting benefits management when it's all set up. And it's that kind of thing that, you know, kind of so even if you're a seasoned payment professional, it's quite difficult sometimes to actually look at job adverts or actually have a, a conversation with an organisation to decide on actually kind of what is a what kind of job um is for me so i think that that's one and i think you know and I, without kind of just kind of selling all things the whole idea of the essential suite of uh, qualifications that we've created is because there hasn't been any kind of training tailored for people who are going to be moving into a pmo and, uh, you know, the reason why we've done the four levels of qualification is because there's entry. You know, you can enter into the PMO at any of those levels. So your first PMO job could be at PMO director level. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that you're a very junior person. It just means you've done lots of other things. And actually getting that knowledge about what's required at that level of role has never existed before. So there has been some PMO certifications out there, but they're all about setting up the PMO itself rather than thinking about as an individual, what are the skills, knowledge and behaviours you need to have in order to be able to do that role. So I think that's a, that's kind of been a challenge. And I still think, um, and we find that, you know, in terms of the house PMO, is people go, a what? Yes, what, 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 what do you do? You know, and, and it's that good old kind of, does you, can you explain to your mother what you do? Um, and it's still, I'm still not there with mine. But, but you know what I mean? You, you end up having to have that conversations with a lot of organisations because they genuinely don't know what a PMO is about. And I remember I went for, I had a, a, an interview when I was working in another company and I was trying to explain what the PMO could do. And they stopped the interview and they said, I just don't think we're ready for that yet. It's because they were still at the, actually, we just want somebody to look after the risk registers and, and maintain. And I was, you know, kind of thinking about, well, actually, we want to support the organisation to do project management better, not just be a kind of a, a little task monitor. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of organisations still don't really appreciate what PMOs can do for their organisations and how they can make a, a real kind of seismic shift in their success in project delivery. I can sympathise with that. You try and explain to someone you run an accreditation and certification body and they look at you blankly 
and and you then have to try and explain yes. it and then take it from there. But if someone comes in as a PMO director, then their their main skill must be to assemble a team of specialists that have that technical skill in terms of risk management, scheduling, planning, and budgeting. Particularly if they're coming in from outside other parts of the business, is that mm-hmm. is that really what the director qualification is about you know the skills that you need within the team rather than your individual skill so the the i think the the what we talk about at the at the director level is actually understanding what your organization needs and how the PMO can help so it really is about recognizing where's the business trying to go how do we you know kind of what kind of projects are we going to be delivering how best do we want to approach them balance them off with business as usual um, and what do we need to put in place in order to make that happen so it, there is an awful lot of kind of what's required from a business perspective, but then it's about actually recognising what roles will contribute and what's the right kind of combination and how to, essentially how to structure your PMO function that adds most value to the to the organisation. In the same way, if I was kind of an HR director, I would be starting to think, well, what does my HR function look like? Do I want a, a central team? Do I want a kind of a, a, an HR business partner for each of the other directorates? It's that same thought process, but looking at it from a project, or a project support and a project uh, success um, perspective. I think I probably know the answer to this question, but at one time I would have thought a PMO was only relevant for a large organisation with, you know, multi-project portfolios staffed by a fairly large team. I sense you would disagree with that. Well, do you know, it, if you'd asked me 15, 20 years ago, I probably would have said, I would suggest that's the case. But now, um, no organisation, I believe, doesn't do projects. Uh, and, you know, I, I still think Alan Sugar has to take some of the some of the tail for that, is that, you know, every, you know people call projects, very small things to very large things uh, and one of the interesting roles that PMO has to do is to decide in an organization when is a project a project so at what point do we want to start any kind of formal project management but even in very small organizations what we find is the um the executive assistant ends up coming on a, an administrator course because she or he's been asked to kind of compile the list of projects and start doing some rudimentary reporting and, and that's still a PMO so you, they may not necessarily see themselves as a PMO director and designing the structure but they're certainly kind of delivering some PMO services into the organisation and, and again that's a challenge and we've had that on a number of the courses where actually I'm a PMO analyst but I'm asked to do some PMO management jobs because nobody's decided what I'm doing as an analyst but also I have to do some of the director jobs because actually nobody knows what the PMO can actually do and there's an education piece around them so doing the four certifications has been really interesting for the delegates to start understanding where the next kind of shift is and where their focus should be for the roles and we're hoping that that will help organizations be uh, more thoughtful when they're putting uh, their team together uh, really interesting uh, the uh, there was a payment managers course that was delivered a, a couple of weeks ago and a friend of mine uh, was a payment consultant actually kind of uh, went through the course and she's busy doing a piece of work at the moment and she said that conversation with rose eileen um, really helped 
me to think about what I was doing. She's designing a PMO for her client. And I had to go back and have a look at the rules and realise I'd confused them all with the different levels. Because actually, if I'm a PMO manager, I need a level of authority and a mandate to do and make certain decisions. And again, at director level, and she'd confused her, you know, kind of where that levels of responsibility and authority needed to be. So we're already starting to kind of make a difference by just thinking about those four different levels of rules, which is which is great. Eileen, you said you started to think about PMOs in the last century. So if you take yourself back to that, uh, those halcyon days in the last century, what things do you know now that you would really have loved to have known when you started your career, when you started your your quest to actually put PMOs on the map? It would have been nice if there was lots of other people in PMOs who had similar thinking at the time. Um, and we had a there was a there was a small few of us at the time. Now I look out, there's lots of kind of key people who understand lots about PMO, so there's lots of kind of help and support out there. And the good, there wasn't actually a training course out there that people could attend um to be a payable person. So I went on, you know, between, you know, I went back Prince Two, I went and looked, I did my Prince Two back in nineteen ninety something. So I was doing kind of project management and program management courses and then trying to distill from that what I could do in the PMO to make that happen for project and program managers. And the other thing, and again, it's where we've tried to kind of fill the gap, is just understanding the breadth of the the knowledge, skills and behaviours I would need to be successful. So we've kind of, uh, there's been quite a bit of trial and error in that respect um, for, for my personal career, but at least having kind of some structure then to work through and look at how best I can structure my development, my experience to be able to add more value into a PMO. So I think we've um, the House of PMO is is starting to plug all of the gaps that I think we we could have had. Well, they just didn't exist at, at the time that were there. So hopefully, any other personal things that you now know you think you know maybe you should have been a bit more adventurous. You should have been sort of calmer talking to people. You should have been outspoken or anything like that. Well, I think the one thing that I that I have learned, and and I did actually leave a job, um, I, as I've learned that um, whatever PMO you have, and however perfect it is, has a half life. And so I think um, a lots of people, and I did it myself early in my career. I'd worked in a PMO, I'd kind of got all of the ticked all the boxes, and thought actually I can now go to another organisation and I can kind of do exactly the same. And then it doesn't take you very long to realise, actually, you can't do exactly the same, um, which is one of the kind of the great challenges. And I think it's that recognition that actually you need a kind of a toolbox of things, uh, you know, kind of skills at the service catalogue in terms of there's a number of things you can do. And I think it's about and that's what makes it kind of quite difficult is that each design has to be different. And even when you've got it up and running and it's fantastic and everybody's having a great time and the organisation is really successful, it doesn't take much for you to have to go back and say, well, actually, the industry's moved on, the organisation's moved on, the environment's moved on. Actually, we need to change what we do. And so change within the PMO um, is really what I didn't fully understand when I was doing my first few PMOs. But a bit older and wiser. Ali, thank you very much for spending the time to talk to me. I think you, your passion, your enthusiasm and your tenacity in actually taking that idea and actually bringing it to reality is actually going to change a lot of organisations 
and make an awful lot of difference to the way people do deliver projects and do see a role. You, know, you really are a pioneer in this field. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for listening. We're always keen to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can find all the information in the show notes below. Please visit apmg-international.com to find out more about our accredited training and the certifications that support them that are related to the topics discussed in this series. I hope you've enjoyed today and I look forward to you joining future episodes while we continue our exploration into best practice and the benefits it brings to global business. Thank you.